This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. So when you were in the NFL, did somebody check your email for you? Do you want to know? Is that how that works? What's up? Is that why you have so many unread emails? No. See, in the NFL, I didn't have a work email. And in the NFL, I didn't have a work computer. And in the NFL, when someone tells me to look up Jay-Z Shad Khan Yacht, and I type it in the Google machine, and I come back with a search history, and I click on it, all of a sudden the computer shuts down. Well, we didn't have that either in the NFL. So, <laughs> I did have a uh, corporate reach out to me, by the way. I, I hope they did. Yeah. Did you? Suspicious activity. Was really? it really? I told him I didn't know anything about it. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that was me because obviously I'm signed into Kuz's account. So That's tremendous. And now Sorry you can't get that, back Kuz. in. Well, I turned off the computer yesterday because I want to be done with it. And now I'm trying to figure out what my username and password is because I'm trying to be a big boy here at Cox Media Group. And that's why I, that's why I jumped in with before, oh, yeah. before we started. I said, oh, yeah. See, these, that's what happens when you're in the NFL, Coos. People do this stuff people for you. People have, uh, yeah, they operate your own email for you. Absolutely. You didn't have like a... You didn't like put your Gmail on your on your Instagram account and said, uh, in, inquire within and have your that's how they can get to you. Uh, no comment. But I'm gonna say this though, like usually <laughs> the way this works is, you know, I mean, so with the, the iPhone, right? Every like all the passwords are automatically like posted in there. So yeah. all I have to do is like give like this this screen look or whatever, and then it unlocks it. So literally, like I'm in my account, but I can't figure out the password because it's the screen lock. You know what I'm saying? Oh uh, yeah, that's oh well, we get that all the time. Yeah, man. I was just thinking of this, though, uh, not not really relative to my joke about you in the NFL, but relative to just like when you were in the NFL, which was yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. Just think how much has even changed in technology since then. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's not like they didn't have emails, not like they didn't. No, have, but we, Twitter was it was Twitter was still around for four or five years, but yeah. it was just kind of taken off. Just all the different things, you well, know. Even my last year in Jacksonville, didn't when, you, when you first ID. started to see, didn't have Face ID. <laughs> and my last year in Jacksonville was actually the first year where we had like the. Like the iPad things, I don't know what they call them. Is it like the surfaces. Microsoft Surfaces? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the first year we had. That was my last year in Jacksonville. Did you really? Yeah, 13, so, we yeah, had the Surfaces? Yeah, so before that, it was like all just paper. You know, Still they put it out in the, in the playbook, yeah. And if you lost your playbook, that was $70,000. How much? $70,000. That was the fine. Correct. Is that just in Jacksonville or across the league? Do you know? No, I mean, that was Jacksonville. I know, like, I mean, it, it's all like 50000 like sixty. I think Jacksonville was the highest. Really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize. You did you what? know any players that did? No, no, no. Not kidding me. Now, keep in mind, I wrote everything down like in a separate notebook. So I have like all my old playbooks like verbatim in the garage right now just hanging out waiting for a you know, a rainy day to go check out some schemes again and Why stuff like that. Why don't you bring that, that in someday? We'll just like we'll just like go to page 32. Okay. Yeah, I'll go over that stuff with us. Yeah. Why not? New Jag scheme this week against well, Houston. <laughs> Well, trust me, it's going to be... Something's going to work. Well, if it's in Jacksonville, it's a pretty standard base 4-3 defense, so yeah. there's nothing really juicy about that. It is, it's interesting you bring that up uh, in that sense, in that context. I mean, we really haven't... Has Jacksonville ever played anything else? Than a 4-3? You're talking about a 4-3 yeah. defense? Oh. Um, I mean, I've been here since 08, so, but that would have still been under Jack. You know, Jack's playing the 4-3, right? Yeah, He's correct. not mixing it up to 3-4. No. And so Jack's here since what? We'll go all the way back to 02-03. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Capers was... Now, Capers was with Coughlin early on. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, I Kirk don't know. Kirk Cousins was at 3-4. He was 3-4, so they would have played 3-4 in the early days. Maybe, no, because I think Kate, no, Capers implemented the 3-4, I think, in Green Bay when he yeah. went over there. So yeah. it wasn't so, in Jacksonville. I don't think they've ever run anything but. Well, I mean, th- th- there's been different shades, though, to be fair. Like, the, the 4-3 defense that Del Rio ran when I was here is a lot different than what, like, the Leo technique was and all that stuff when Gus Bradley yeah, was here. I got and then, you. Obviously, Todd Wash takes over. So different over. versions of the 4-3. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really different, actually. But back to, like, and for the last two years, we've kind of been curious about the 3-4. But this yeah. this franchise, potentially, unless we're missing something, which we could from early on, sure. but uh, never run a 3-4. Has never ran a 3-4. I can confidently say that, yeah. Yeah. And just some variations of that 4-3. That's inter- I guess we've it never really hit me that I can, until you said that, mm-hmm. um, with uh, especially what Jack was running when you were here. Brent Martin of Austin Lane Coos here on a Thursday. Hope you're doing well. Uh, speaking of Jack, Miles Jack is somebody we're going to talk a little bit about today. And uh, having a fantastic early start to the season. Uh, you know, it, it's it's worth bringing up how we got to this stage with Miles Jack, and we will. We'll also take you to the wall that says it all today, or Austin will, um, and go back to uh, one of the signature plays of the season so far, really, in the NFL, uh, but especially for Miles Jack. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about Miles Jack coming up uh, later on. Uh, injury report for the Jaguars is something to keep an eye on for sure. Start breaking down and looking into the Houston Texans. Yeah, they Bill O'Brien firing. Will they get a bump from that? I think they will uh, to some degree. How good are they? How good are the Houston Texans? Uh, you know, I know they could could have been a mess this year. That was one of my predictions. That doesn't mean they're not good or talented. You can still be a mess and be talented. Mm-hmm. And so where do they fit on that spectrum? Uh, I still have concerns about them as a football team. I know they have a franchise quarterback, but outside of that, I think there's some concerning positions all over the place for Houston. That leads you to 0-4, not just the schedule. The easy way out is schedule and Bill O'Brien and some of the stuff was going on 0-4. Well, I don't think it's as easy as that. Uh, it's certainly part of it, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's as easy as that. Much like the easy way to say the Jags, their defense stinks right now, so they're 1-3. and It's a big part of it. It's not the only reason. They're one and three. I mean, they could have made a couple plays here or there that could be two and two, three and one, even with a crappy defense uh, right now, not stopping anybody, because there are plenty of teams doing that, not stopping anybody in the uh, in the NFL. Tennessee Titans. I know you talked about it a lot uh, yesterday, and I know you mentioned the best dress, Steve Lehman. Well, he's going to join us today, yeah, man. because you know it's like as the world turns, or pick your favorite soap opera, uh, Days of Our Lives. Sure. You know, on the on the Tennessee Titans. You know, I mean, boy, what a week for the AFC South. Yeah. I mean, really, Indy and the Jags have been under the radar. Jags are never under the radar for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Houston firing Bill O'Brien and now the Titans just might not even play a game. And, and does this feel like we're trending toward a, a forfeit? I know it you has. suggested it. No. But I'm just saying from the NFL standpoint, are we trending that way? It certainly feels oh, like we're getting close to that. I, I'm not really suggesting it. I'm telling the NFL that they need to give the Titans a forfeit of this week's game because it's evident right now they violated protocol. It's evident right now that they were not following the rules. And listen, like the NFL is the ever-turning machine. All right, it's it's too big to shut down right now. And the last thing the NFL is going to do is you know wait for a straggler in the Tennessee Titans to catch back you know catch back up and be like hey guys come on like hurry up or we're, we're leaving without you can you please get everything in line no like you violated protocol you weren't following the rules and now you suffer the consequences it's as simple as that if you don't follow the rules in terms of you know deflating a football if you don't follow the rules in terms in terms of recording a a practice something like that what happens 
You lose draft picks and stuff like that. You didn't follow the rules here. I don't think you lose a draft pick. I think you lose a game, and it is what it is. Get your guys healthy and get back in on the field. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, we'll see uh, if they're able to do that in time for the game uh, on Sunday or how long this lingers. I mean, you would assume that even if something did happen, say something as drastic as a forfeiture uh, this weekend, they would be ready to go by next week. You would think after all this testing is done and it's already made its way through the team to some degree, but where do you stop it? You know, where do you cut off the head of the snake, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and nip this thing. Uh, that's a question we've been asking for months and months all around the world, not just in a football facility in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, that is uh, something to keep an eye on. We will do that. Talk a little MLB playoffs as, uh, yeah, the Yankees could get eliminated tonight. (laughs) I'm not going to push that narrative too much because it has to happen. And if they win tonight, uh, Garrett Cole goes on the mound tomorrow, and then I think they probably win. So it's a huge game uh, for the Rays and Yankees. But the fact that we get to at least uh, think about it is not a bad thing. And by the way, I think I would walk uh, Giancarlo Stanton. He is on fire uh, along with the number three hitter of the Rays, who nobody really knows, not me included, but he's unbelievable. And I tweeted he might be the best baseball player on the planet right now because he has been that good for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is an amazing story. We're not going to bog down with baseball today, but Tampa is just an amazing story. Like, I don't know where – can you do that in other sports? I'm I'm not sure if you can do what Tampa's doing Hmm. in other sports or has done, really. They haven't done anything yet, quite frankly, in terms of win a World Series. But to even get to this point, to be up 2-1 on the Yankees, to, to be the number one seed in the American League, what Tampa's done, I'm not sure you can do that. In other sports, uh, maybe you can just do that in Major League Baseball. Maybe you can just do it in a pandemic year where the season gets cut short. I'm not sure. Uh, but talk a little bit about uh, uh, Major League Baseball uh, for sure on the way. Hey, what do you think about tonight? You know, you got this storyline tonight, right? Bucks and Bears and Foles and yeah. Brady playing for two different teams, Super Bowl MVPs, uh, Super Bowl winners. For different teams, which is fascinating, really. You know, I mean, Brady obviously had been there for so long. The Foles thing's interesting in hindsight because Carson Wentz is kind of struggling. Philly's struggling, and Philly's like, come back, Nick. Why yeah. did you ever let him go? Because there was, if you if you rewind, there was a section of Philly, and some people even said in that locker room that kind of wanted Foles to be the guy mm-hmm. after all of that. Are you? Are you excited about tonight's game? It's an interesting game because I just still don't feel like Chicago's very good. And I think if you look deep inside the numbers, Foles had the nice second half when he came off the bench. But he didn't play that great last week either. I mean, it's not like Foles is playing great football. Well, and that's kind of what I expected from Foles last week, actually. Like, we're about to see the old St. Nick back. He's going to come in and just have this confidence. They run the spread offense a little more. And, you know, the Bears are going to be eating uh, last week. You didn't really see that. Now... I'm not really sure what to, I mean, obviously I'm excited for this game. It's a, you know, it's a pretty much a prime time match. If you get the Bucks, who I believe are three and one right now, taking on the Bears, who are undefeated at Soldier Field, always a pretty cool place to play. The field is absolutely atrocious in terms of the playing surface. The grass sucks, but it's a good, but it's a cool visual experience. Let's just call it like it's that. It's a great stadium. It's, really. a, it's a cool stadium. Yeah. I mean, it's just the turf is bad. Yeah. I mean, you stand, I know you probably haven't, but if yeah. you stand at the top of the stadium and you see the marina out one side of it and oh, just yeah, obviously yeah. Chicago, yeah. It's, it's a great setting. It's yeah. a great stadium. And especially I know the field like, is Good. Yeah, and especially like where like the location is too, kind of like right towards the edge of the city. Yeah, it's just a it's an overall cool spot. Well, and outside of Green Bay, isn't it really the only place in the NFL where it's like you can almost kind of feel the ghosts of Hallis, yeah. you know, yeah. and Dick 
Africa and, you know, I'm all a, the... It, it's Green Bay probably like that, but yeah. I don't know if there's another NFL stadium that you feel... Like, you feel that way. Let's be honest. You feel that way when you go to Fenway Park, Wrigley sure. Field, and especially the old Yankee Stadium. Like, even more so than them. You really feel it. Like, yeah. man, you, 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 you can just picture in your mind Mickey Mantle and they talk about the ghosts yeah. at Yankee Stadium and I believe it because I've seen it um, and I hate them yeah. but I but I mean I need Ghostbusters in New there York there we go there we go but uh, but I get the sense Green Bay's like that with Vince Lombardi a little bit I get the sense Chicago is like that from Gale Sayers to Hallis to all those greats yeah. so you definitely get that feeling because I mean as you know as you like get to that stadium like the outside of it you know I mean it's not really modern right they, they, they've kind of maintained it for that old kind of look a little bit I mean it's, mm-hmm. it's like this big Big uh, concrete fortress, let's just say, right? So, like, as you're walking in the stadium, it's almost like you're walking back in the 1950s or 1940s. Like, they they haven't really um, modernized it, I guess, on the outside. Now, the inside, yeah, it's it's obviously up to date and everything like that. But yeah, there's something about like driving up. Like, I I did a couple times the plane there, and like, yeah, it's just it's just like this concrete structure. It's like, dang, like some of the greatest defenses have played like on this field, you yeah. know, in this area. Yeah, and you said it best because I think. So- like those stadiums still exist the way they were with renovations. They've been sure. modernized. They're certainly not what it used to be and mm-hmm. look like. Uh, but every other stadium, you don't get the ghosts. They're all brand new. Mm-hmm. Like Dallas has a great history. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh has a great history. But these are new Heinz Field. You know, it's, yeah. it's AT and T. It's now look at L A. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Oakland has. I'll say this. Oakland has a little bit of that feel. Little bit. Oh, the yeah. old Oakland, but now they're the Las Vegas. Well, listen, anytime you're playing on dirt. Uh, for, yeah. for like a baseball field, there's going to be some kind of old feeling there, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's uh, Las, uh, oh, the old Oakland up until last year yeah, like when they were done, yeah. the Coliseum. I don't know if it's ghosts or if the same stadium is just so dang bad well, that going, it's just like, bad. It's I'll not be ghosts, with you, man, it's bad. Going to that locker room in Oakland, like <laughs> I thought it was the 1950s, right? Yes. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking like the old, old school locker. Yeah, I mean, like that. Play, like, and like, there's something nostalgic about it, right? Because you kind of grew up, <laughs> yeah. I think like, you saw like Bo Jackson playing that kind yeah. On a surface, right? So there is something to be said for it. And truth be told, uh, my freshman and sophomore year of high school, we actually played in a baseball field. So I got to relive some of those glory days a little bit. But, like, when we're pulling up to Oakland, and obviously the outside is kind of like, okay. And then, you know, the, the the whole black hole is giving us the middle finger as we're walking oh, in. Yeah, and then, you know, yeah. I mean, you know yeah, there's big, an vintage black hole. Yeah. And then we get to the locker room, and it's like, yeah, it's about time for a new stadium, guys, huh? It's about that time. I tell you, it is the one place you go to, and it's like, this belongs like to some high school team. Yeah, for sure. Wait, listen, you can say what you want about the Jag Stadium. It needs some modernization. Yeah. It's certainly the underbelly of it, especially they've made it look good aesthetically. Yeah. But un- the underbelly needs some work, and, yeah. and we'll get some work or they'll redo or whatever they end up doing. But Oakland's on a different planet mm-hmm. when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it's real like an NFL team plays here. Yeah. <laughs> with all today's modern amenities, Yeah. It, the, with what the college teams have, and what is, it's just astonishing that they made it that long. Yeah. Uh, in that facility. It, it was a very stark contrast. Cause I remember we played Oakland, and I played that game. I think then we played in Dallas a little bit after that. And, like, you go from Oakland, wow. and then you go to Dallas. I think it was one of the very first, it's not the first year that Jerry World was actually open. I can't remember when that stadium was open. But I remember, like, going to Jerry World. It was my very first start. And, like, walking in that, and I remember, because, you know, obviously when you get there early, like, there's cheerleaders warming up and everything like that. Brent, they had go, I know they still have this, but they had go-go dancers. Like, they had, like, platforms, like, up towards the stadium, and they have like dancers on the platforms, <laughs> like with poles. Now, I'm not saying they're strippers; I'm saying they're go-go dancers. Like it was a little more artistic, let's just say. <laughs> no offense. In there. Well, they they, they had poles, though. They had poles, and like literally, there was go-go dancers, like in so, these platforms, like on the on the stadium seating. I'm like, what is going if, on here? If there's a pole 
and you're dancing. Yeah. Does that make you a pole dancer? Makes you a go-go dancer for sure. And then yeah. we'll, we'll establish the stripper later. I wonder what they'll have in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the We're going to take a break. We come back uh, a few weeks back before the season started. So really more than a month ago. Yeah. I had like a six-step plan to success <laughs> for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Was that looking? report cards? I don't yeah. know. I, I thought oh, okay. I was like, hey, I got to go back and check that out. So yeah. I wrote it down. Yeah. And I've got the six-step plan for success. Sure. And, and I'll qualify the success. This wasn't like getting to the Super Bowl success, but it was more like reaching the ceiling of the Jags. Success. Where are they after one month? Mm-hmm. And, and how deficient in some areas? Why has this gone one and three instead of maybe two and two? Because let's be honest, anything over two and two, you're, you're dreaming yeah. that the Jags would have been. They're about one game off where you wish they were right now. In one way, shape, or form. Whether it wasn't beating Indy, but beating Miami and, and Cincinnati, or splitting and splitting. One way or another, you kind of wish they were two and two. Uh, three and one probably would have been a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get to that uh, right out of the gates here on a Thursday. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. It's on the way. Thanks for hanging with us. Austin Lane. And Tony Khan clap back. There you go, Kuz. There's a, there's a clap back for you. Clapped. So, it's a, just it's a gamer thing. Eric Clapton. Okay. Yeah. That, that'd be a good oh, gamer name. Oh, I'm using that tonight. Gamer name. Check your boy, Eric, Eric Clapton. Clapton. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Brent Martineau. Yeah. You guys it's just that. had a moment. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I mean, you just have to try to keep him confined in space. When he gets outside of the pocket, he gets dangerous. And when he does, you have to be able to take good angles. Uh, to get him down because he's elusive. He's a good athlete. You know, he makes a lot of people miss tackles. So uh, taking a good angle and not uh, trusting the other people on the defense are going to be right behind you. And when you get there, you can't break down. You just got to shoot your shot. If it makes you miss, at least make him stop his feet and somebody else is going to be right there. That is Joe Schobert. You watch some of these games. How's Schobert playing? I mean, you know, I think for what he's been asked to do, he's been playing pretty well. Obviously, the plays that stick out to you, you know, everybody, though, are the are the missed tackles. I think I can count out two now. He's had a missed the tackle. Uh, right, Fitzpatrick had that missed tackle. And then I think it wasn't in Tennessee. He I had think he's a, had, a like, breakdown. one every game, it yeah, feels like. Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, those need to be cleaned up a little bit, and as he's talking about right there. But overall, I think what they're asking him to do, not too bad. Now, is it a Pro Bowl level? No. But I think it's... um. Let's just say I don't think he's really the problem of that defense. I will say this. Uh, you know, again, it depends how you view some of these things. And they had a, a problem. Like, watching a Jags game was nauseating at times last year because mm-hmm. they couldn't line up. You know, you've seen it over the years on offense. I, I go all the way back to 17 when Fournette was there and Bortles is moving them around. No, go over here, go over there. And mm-hmm. it, it seems like they have procedural problems, right? Yeah. It was like watching Florida State under Willie Taggart. It's like. Come on, guys. I mean, what are we doing here? Just line up. Can you please line up? Well, defensively, the Jags looked out of place a lot last year. Miles, inexperience at linebacker. I don't put it all on Miles. I do think some of it was Quincy Williams' inexperience. You're playing with new guys, young guys, some of that. And I, and I think the combination just didn't work. I don't see that this year. It looks like a defense that kind of knows where they're supposed to be and knows what they're doing. Now, in the middle of a play, sometimes that's different. If their assignment breakdown, we saw that with Clay Brooks and sure. what he was supposed to do. But I do feel like at least Schobert's doing that. I feel like they're they're at least uh, they're, they're more they're, they're lined up. I mean, they're I don't showing know pre-snap discipline. There you go. 
Yeah, and, and listen. They're all on the um, same page. That's what I was trying to say. feels like before sure. the snap, they're on the same page. Listen, there's nothing more telling of how disciplined a defense is than those pre-snap reads. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes an offense could audible into something crazy, and the defense isn't prepared for that, and there's a little confusion. You know, you see guys pointing around. That's okay. That's kind of a one-off. But if you watch a football game, and you watch the defensive side of the ball, and through, you know, play after play, through series after series, you see guys standing up, pointing, uh, the, you know, that's kind of the classic, what do I do kind of shrugging your shoulders. Like, that's that's the big tell right there. We saw a bunch heaven, of it. Heaven forbid, if you're a defensive lineman and you shrug your shoulders, at least back when I played, you're, you're coming out and yeah. you're about to get an earful. I feel like we saw a lot of that the last two years. Correct, yeah. So with that being said, we're not seeing as much of that this year. I think, like I said, the pre-snap discipline, it is better. But now it's about that gap integrity. It's about maintaining your gap, doing your job, and being successful. Let me ask you this. When you played, how many guys freelanced? Like, like when you watch a tape back, right? Mm-hmm. It, because, some, listen... Sometimes we'll know if a guy freelances a little bit or isn't on where he's supposed to be because the play gets made anyway and someone covers him up. And so to us, it's like, yeah, whatever. It didn't happen. But you in the film room next day, the defensive coach, like, what the hell were you doing there? Yeah. You know, blah, 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 blah. You got lucky. Yeah. Well, seems like over the last couple of years, Jacks haven't got very lucky. Whether it was Jalen Ramsey freelancing on his own because he was bored mm-hmm. or it was guys not being lined up. Or now, in the last couple of weeks, a little bit more of, oh, boy, their depth is not good and not experienced, and it's showing up with Clay Brooks or somebody else yeah. doing a little something that looks way out of place, or maybe one, two, three people in a row on those 200-yard games last year, yeah. uh, some of the McCaffrey runs last year. Is that just common, but gets covered up sometimes that we don't see guys freelancing and no, out of place? So back when I played with the Jaguars in that Mel Tucker defense that we talked about in the opening segment here, that 4-3 defense, the 4-3 over, um, nobody really freelanced because you couldn't afford to freelance. Because if, cause the whole philosophy of that defense was is that it was, it was simplicity. Right, like as a defense, we were never going. What do I got here? We're like we we all knew what we had, right? But the whole key to that defense was if we all do our job correctly. And we're supposed to be in the state, you know, the gaps are supposed to be in, then we're going to be successful. Now, you know, in that 4-3 over defense, like, for instance, this training camp, I, I highlighted Chase on a lot and his ability to spin back inside toward the play. And what did I say? Like, he's being an athlete. He's not being a robot. On the other side, when I played in a 4-3 over defense and say I'm playing the 7 technique, right? So I'm head up on the tight end and I have to maintain that C gap. If the ball was going in the B gap, I could not spin. Even if the, if I knew the play was going to go there, I couldn't spin. Because if there was some reason why the ball was going to go on the outside, that was my responsibility. So I want to say it kind of took the athleticism away a little bit, but it made you a little more um, generic kind of a defense. As opposed to, I think, this defense now with you know Josh Allen, Chase on some pretty freak athletes. I think they have a little more space to be a little more, you know, athletic in terms of, all right, the ball's going inside, I'm going to spin back inside, use my athleticism, and make up for maybe my gap integrity, let's just say. The only guy that I played with in Jacksonville that I had any kind of range whatsoever, do whatever he wanted, I've talked about him before, Clint Session. For whatever reason, Mel Tucker, Jack Del Rio went to Clint Session and go, you know what, man, just do what you do. Because, like, he was... And of all the guys, that I, I mean, I'm thinking back to like Lance Briggs I played with, and I played with Derek Johnson in Kansas City. Eric Berry is another prime example of a, a really great uh, tackler in space. But of all those guys I played with, Clint Session was like, he was the definition of creating chaos. Like, that guy just lived to lead with his head, get in the backfield, and just cause a car wreck every single play. And because of that philosophy, because of that play that he had, obviously he didn't last that long in the league, unfortunately, because of all the injuries and concussions that he had. But when he was playing for the Jaguars, he got free reign because 
because that was what he did. Yeah, they almost didn't want to slow him down. Couldn't slow him you down. Know? And it's kind of like where they put Miles Jack a little bit now. It's like, don't slow him down. Just let him go, baby. Exactly. Like, don't let him think. Don't let him do anything. Just go let him play. Telvin Smith played the position a little bit like that, too. Exactly. Listen, like, the, these guys are like, they're, they're, pri- they're like Porsches. You know, they're like Lamborghinis. I don't say Lamborghinis. You know, I feel about Lamborghinis. That's not cool enough. Eh, not cool enough for me. So they're like Porsches, right? They're like the, the high-end Porsche. And it's almost like... Two options. Either you're a race car driver, you take it on the track, you see what that thing's got, or you're a family man in the suburbs, you're just, you know, I'm just going to go for a casual little joyride. Those Porsches weren't made for that, man. you got to turn those Porsches loose a little bit. you got to rev those engines and see what they've truly got. And that's what Quinn Session was. I think that's what Miles Jack is as well. And especially in this position. Correct. Uh, the only one other thought on this before we get to the Houston Texans, I, I just feel like, like, I don't know enough about it, but I feel like guys like DJ Hayden, why he's been a little bit, why he looks like he's not playing well, and maybe even Schobert at times, I feel like those guys could be pressing because they don't trust other guys. Yeah. They don't trust what's around them because of youth, inexperience, mm-hmm. lack of familiarity, lack of training camp. Again, I know that sounds like an excuse for him, and it might not be the case. They might just be playing bad because I've also said I don't know if Hayden's even playing that well. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like they might be off a little bit, and I think add one more element to Schobert, especially when you maybe you don't see him playing as well as he should. He might be pressing because he got paid a lot of money, you know? I mean, there comes that weight with it as well. Miles did that last year. He got yeah. by that part of it. Now he's just playing ball and the cash, the, the the checks in the in the bank. See, and from what I see on this defense right now, it's kind of the exact opposite of what I saw when I used to play. Right, like like I just said before, in that four three over defense that I ran, like everybody had to do one job. Like we couldn't really be athletes. We just played sound football uh, and we bend and we don't break. With this defense right here, it gives you more space to be yourselves and be an athlete, and that's great and everything, but when you have a very young team on defense and you have guys peeking their head in or trying to make a play, even though they, they forgo their discipline, well, then other guys, other veterans, like a Schober, even like a Miles Jack, who you know know what to do, but now that they're trying to make up for those mistakes, right? So I think you have a team right now that's pressing just because they're being a little too free with how this defense is being ran, and then you have veterans that are trying to make up for that, and obviously it's backfiring. Interesting. Uh, all right, how about the Houston Texans? Because this is going to be an interesting week for the Jags. Obviously, Deshaun Watson, one of the most talented in the league. I think he's off to a rough start. I, I don't think I, I say this a lot, and listen, I think he's a fantastic player. I do think at times people give him the benefit of the doubt because he has fantastic moments, and he's had fantastic moments. Uh, I would sign him up as my QB any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. I just feel like at times he gets the benefit of the doubt that all oh, what what never happened in his career is DeAndre Hopkins didn't get enough of the credit mm-hmm. at times. He was a super bailout guy for Deshaun Watson. And now he's this is life after Deshaun Watson. So I don't think Watson's playing great football. Maybe turned it on a little bit in the second half uh, after a, a tough first half last week and they almost brought him back. That being said, we know what he's capable of. A no. uh, tough guy, he can run all around. I've got the feeling the Jags are going to do what they did to Aaron Rodgers again in Green Bay when he came here, that season opener back in 16. I think they're just going to not even rush the passer. Why? why? Yeah. They don't do well anyway. No, seriously, yeah, I know I that you. sounds kind of tongue-in-cheek, but why try when you could keep this guy in the pocket potentially? I yeah. get the sense from what Todd Wash was saying today from some of the problems that they've had uh, that – they might do that and say, you know what, we're not going to let this guy beat us with his legs. We're going to let him sit back there, and he's going to have to try to pick us apart, be accurate, and hit the guys that are open. Yeah. Can they do that with this defense? Well, well listen, I mean, that's how we played Aaron Rodgers, too, back then when we traveled to Lambeau. I think that was back in 2012. 
I think 11 that was. 11? I'm, mistaken. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, it was 12. You're right, correct, 12. And that's what you had to do, right? Because this is a different pass rush than what you're accustomed to. Even like with Joe Burrow, who, yeah, Joe Burrow's a pretty good athlete, but he's not like Deshaun Watson, right? So this is my fear right now. My fear is that you're going to have a team who's going to try to press to get those sacks, right? Because right now they're in, like, what, the bottom two, bottom three in the NFL in terms of sack production? Yeah. Horrible. Not a good look. You have way too much talent on the defensive line to be that low in the NFL. So my fear is that you're going to have guys trying to play outside themselves now, try to create those plays, and in doing so, once again, like we talked about with Ryan Fitzpatrick, that Thursday night game, you lose your gap integrity, you lose your rush lane. Where Ryan Fitzpatrick could probably burn you for five, six yards in a first down, Deshaun Watson can burn you for 70 yards in a touchdown, right? Like that guy is a very dynamic, um, you know, and he makes plays with his feet as well. So I'm not disagreeing with you here. Like, you know how I feel about it. I don't like saying, well, let's just sit back and let Deshaun Watson have all the time in the world. I still want a pass rush, but I want to see more bull rush. I want to see more pushing the pocket, collapsing the pocket, maintaining the rush lanes, as opposed to running games, getting outside of your lane, and now Deshaun Watson's taken off like a speeding bullet. How much, how good are the Texans? That's a, mm-hmm. that's a tough one to say. They're 0-4. They have talent. They have big names. They have guys on their offense that you would have taken in your fantasy draft in the first or second round three years ago, but probably not right now. Sure. They have a mess with Bill O'Brien through the first four games. They now get to exhale a little bit outside of that and maybe just go play for a guy that's a fun guy to play for in Romeo Cornell from all accounts. They have had a, an extremely tough schedule. You can make the case that they have the toughest schedule in the NFL the first month of the year. So what is it? Where are they in the mix of that in terms of, okay, it was the schedule. Okay, it was the coach and the bad vibe. Okay, it's, you know what? The Texans really aren't that good. They got a franchise quarterback and that's it. Yeah, you know, um, I think on defense, you know, they're they're kind of a shell of themselves. You know, we always think of Houston. We think of, um, you know, a very gritty, a very tough, very physical defense, obviously led by J.J. Watt, um, a solid pass rush, a decent secondary. Those days are kind of gone now, right? Like guys are on the back nines of their careers a little bit. And I'm not afraid of the Texans defense like I have been for the past decade, it seems like. So the defense doesn't scare me. But this offense definitely does, right? Because you have a wide receiver core of guys like Will Fuller, guys like Brandon Cooks, um, guys like even Randall Cobb, and obviously I think Stills is – I'm not sure Stills is out for this game if he's going to be playing. But you have guys like Stills. Like, Listen, if I'm Houston, I'm spreading it out all day, and I'm saying our four guys are going to beat whoever, whoever the four corners you guys have, but we're going to beat you. And you know what? Houston's probably going to be right if they do that. Keep in mind as well, now, now that um, the head coach, Bill O'Brien, is gone, and I'm sure he was the big David Johnson advocate, don't sleep on David Johnson either, though. He hasn't got off, I think, the start that he wants, obviously, but he's a dual-threat kind of guy. And right now we've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars you know, suffer and struggle against receiving running backs that can also run the ball, basically, right? And David Johnson is that guy. So the past couple weeks, it seems like this has been, you know, when, when they play the Jaguars, it's like your breakout game. Right. Well, let's be honest. Deshaun Watson kind of needs a breakout game. David Johnson set aside from week one against the Kansas City Chiefs really needs a breakout game. So I'm afraid that once again, we're going to be sitting here on a Monday talking about, man, David Johnson. Whoo. Deshaun Watson. Dang. Like, I, I'm afraid of the breakout games from the Houston Texans. Yeah, I think this has the potential for a shootout. And again, remember, too, the Jags are beat up on that side of the football. You know, uh, they have a lot going on and guys missing practice. And where does that fall?
You know, mm-hmm. what, what is Miles Jack going to be 100%? Jared Wilson, is he going to get back in there? What's he look like? Is he rusty? Josh Allen's missed a couple of practices this week, it looks like. Uh, they got some issues. You know, DJ Hayden's on IR. They're moving Hearn into the nickel. Well, that's a new experiment because now they put Sidney Jones and Clay Brooks potentially out there on the outside. What does all that look like? I mean, it's already a questionable defense, man. Yeah, I know. And now you add all these question marks to it. And listen, and I think the first four weeks, kind of the the whole storyline with the Houston Texans is that, listen, Bill O'Brien was tied to David Johnson, and they try to get David Johnson going, and he hasn't been. I think this game, they get Deshaun Watson going. I think I think this week, with the, with a new head coach and everything, maybe a new philosophy, they try to get Deshaun Watson's confidence at an all-time high, and they're going to do that by a lot of spread formation. Also, keep in mind, too, I didn't mention uh, fouls as well, tight end for the Texans. Yeah. Had some pretty good success against the Jaguars before. I just think it's it's too much firepower for this Jaguars defense. Yeah. Uh, again, if they're going to win, it's probably going to have to be in shootout fashion. Uh, when we come back, the six steps of success for the Jaguars this season. How do they look <laughs> after the quarter pole? It's next on ESPN 690. You, you know, what you see out of him, obviously, you, you know, during the game, we don't really watch, uh, you know, the games much. We don't watch our offensive film and stuff. But, you know, what we do see, you know, from us defensively is he's got great vision. Um, he, he does a nice job of developing the blocks in front of him. I think our offensive line is doing a real nice job. Um, but his center of gravity and his contact points, uh, it, it's hard to get pads on him. Uh, you know, with him, you got to really wrap him up and get to his legs. I think he plays with very good forward body lean, and uh, there's not a lot of surface area. So he he's tough to bring down. You can see that with the missed tackles and his leg drive. He is uh, playing extremely well right now. I think they're blocking well for him up front, so it's a combination of not only his talent, um, but what our offensive line's doing for him. That is James Robinson. Todd Wash get a little look-see and analysis on James Robinson. Really one of the great stories. Listen, their, their offense has a lot of good stories right now. A lot of good stories. From Chark to LaVisca Chenault to early on it was Keelan Cole. That's faded a little bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think they're getting some play out of their tight ends. Probably still not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but James Robinson is, is obviously the headline story. And Minshew is... Not a bad story, <laughs> you know. It's a mixed story. I mean, I, just before we got on here, I tweeted out that Demetrius Harvey had. Did you see the image of one of the plays? And it's like it shows Minshew in the pocket, and he's getting a little pressure from his right side. And it looks like, listen, a lot of veteran quarterbacks, I think, might even step up a little bit if they had everybody covered and maybe even take off. Well, if you look at the screen, he's got all five receivers open. And I think this is a ball he later would throw away. Okay. And it's like, you know, I don't know how many quarterbacks, even the great Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Mahomes, when they look at the all 22, they go back and be like, oh, my gosh, look at how many guys were open and I missed them. Like, how did I not see that? Sure. I bet it happens more than we want to give credit to. But when you see it, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't Can you see it? Uh, sorry, I kind of it up. I, mean, oh, I thought you were pulling it up. But, well, I, I was mean, trying to see, but there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, Go Sorry, on my Demetrius. Twitter if you want. I okay. retweeted it about, uh, you know, well, and now about an hour ago. And what's that handle, Brent, in case people want to follow along at home? Uh, Brent on the fly. Okay. <laughs> Trying to help you out, man, but hey, don't take it. That's fine. Brent uh, A.S. Jax. There it is, man. Trying to help you out. Just you look up. up Brent, the only one. Trying to hook you up, dude. All right. Probably trending. Uh, so this one, okay, I got you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guys wide open. <laughs> yeah, 
that that ball wow, was wow. later thrown away. Yeah. And so it's like, whoa. Yeah. And he missed a bunch there. Yeah. So to, I mean, to be fair, like, and I'm not sure what this play call was. I'd have to actually watch the video again. But you know, like the way it works with quarterbacks is you have one read, right? And then you have the second read, you have the third read. He might have just checked to one read and said, you know what, my internal clock right now is going a little haywire, so let's just throw it away and be safe. But we're not really accustomed to that with Gardner Minshew, though, aren't we? Like we're accustomed to more of him extending the play, trying to create space with his feet, and making these plays. So yeah, it's just one play, obviously. I'm sure you could, we should have it back. But I'm sure a lot of quarterbacks go through this type of scrutiny. Yeah, that's what I and I was thinking the same. You know, I mean, I'm sure it happens. We could break down so many plays over the years of even the great quarterbacks that have missed. But it is pretty eye popping, and that's one that he missed. Obviously, yeah. that's it's hard to debate that he didn't miss anything there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could have went to option A, B, C, D, or E, <laughs> and then even run, and all of them would have worked for sure. And ended up being an incomplete pass. So uh, that's part of the uh, scrutiny of the quarterback position. All right. Before the season started, in fact, you were on your way up to uh, your fight, I think it was, when this happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was doing the show, and I came up with this recipe for success. And it was to hit the ceiling for the Jags, in my opinion. This six-step plan for success. And by the way, the ceiling, in my opinion, during that show, because I went back and listened to it, I said it would be eight and eight. I don't know if the ceiling of this team is much more than that. Hmm. I'm saying to, to really... Cash in on what you have and, and exceed expectation and without getting carried away and overly dramatic and, oh, playoff run, AFC South. And I might have altered that a little bit after week one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I didn't. This was prior. Okay. And so here it is. Minshew exceeds expectation is step one. Mm. How would you say he's doing in that regard? Exceeding, doing what you thought he would do, underachieving. Where do you see him? Doing what he—he's right now <clears throat> four games in. He's doing what I thought he would do. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's been a, a good amount good. Correct. There's been the one bad game. So there's he, been more good than bad. Yeah, but not enough like of the top echelon good to be like, yeah, yeah, you know? not enough carrying maybe yes. to to win. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. All right. Uh, I noted the lunch pail nature of this team. Mm. I think that's why Doug Marone and Dave Cole said, I like this team, right? I think the Joe Schoberts of the world. Yep. Uh, they're going to go to work. They're, they're captains, a lot of the young players. They're going to they're gonna put the work in. I don't know if that showed up much. It showed up against Tennessee because they mm-hmm. surprised everybody against Tennessee. They matched the physicality. Smashed they, the mouth. They did. They mm-hmm. did all those things. They, they were resilient. I'm... Off the resilient train a little bit in the last couple of weeks, man. Yeah. Uh, now it's turned into one of these slides where I don't know if I see an end in sight. So I don't. I need the lunch pail back. No, for sure. I agree with you here. Um, it's not like I'm not going to call this team a physical team because I know that. <laughs> I know when you don't call a team physical, how those guys in that locker room would react to that. I mean, I've been there before. But I do think this. I think when you give up big plays. Um, on offense or defense, you know, whether it's a turnover and on offense. But, like, we get big plays on defense, regardless of how tough and physical you are, that can demoralize you. And I think right now you have a team who's given up far too many big plays on defense, and in doing so, the physicality is not shining through because you play on your heels the whole time. So I agree with you. There, there, there is no lunch pail right now. Um, it's more like they're going to the, to the vending machine and getting a little Cracker Jack, and that's about it. Ooh. Uh, stars have to be stars. The Jags don't have a ton of them. They have Miles Jack, who I think is emerging as a star, and, and could, you could put in that classification. He's yeah. playing Pro Bowl level. We'll get into him a little bit more later. Josh Allen, result-oriented, mm-hmm. is not. Sure. Now, 
I think I read somewhere this week he's like fourth in the NFL in QB hits. So he's close. He's doing something. But when you have the worst pass rush maybe in the NFL, you're part of that. So you're not being above that right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, DJ Chark. I think he's living up to his star potential. Now, he didn't miss a game. But here's one of the problems with the Jags stars being stars. Like, we think we can count on those guys. And, again, Josh Allen, I don't think you'd say, yeah, we thought he'd have more sacks. We thought he'd be making a little bit more of an impact right now. Yeah. The Jags don't have enough stars anyway. Hmm. And so they're players that you thought you could rely on right now. Yeah, a couple of them are doing okay. But it's not like they're, like, gangbusters enough to be like, oh, yeah, they're carrying the well, team. No, you're absolutely right. And, and this was – you said this was, like, the preseason edition, right? Yeah. So, I mean, let's think about this. Like, had, Schobert would probably be in that list, right? He's paid that way. Yeah. But, like, my point was how many stars have emerged and how how many stars in the Jaguars' eyes have kind of fallen out of good grace, let's just say. Like, for instance, James Robinson. I don't think they really anticipated him to be what he is right now, but I'd call James Robinson a star. You're getting ahead of me. Don't go to James Robinson yet. Okay. James Robinson, back in the deck you go. Sorry, dude. Bring you out in a second. But DJ Chark, is like, is he living up to your expectation for this year? He's coming off a Pro Bowl season, and that game the other day, Proved why, right? Of course. But like, my question to you then is, who are the other guys that were expected to be the stars? Like, would you say Tavon Bryan was expected to be a star this year? We'll get back to it. What? Well, what kind of? Okay, then I'll let you keep on going. I'm not going to say anything else. Okay. Well, because I, I want to see where you think he fits in the category. Okay. They have to be lucky. Okay. Right? Because NFL teams are lucky. Yeah. Health wise, that's they were early on. Yeah. And now it's starting to oh, fizzle a little bit. For sure. Right? And it's yeah. starting to catch up with them. So they're not super lucky, but there's so many teams that are so beat up health-wise, man, it's hard to feel bad for the Jags. Yeah. But you do have to stay relatively healthy. Their offense has. Their mm-hmm. offensive line, Cam Robinson, this week. Their defense getting beat up already in a thin position. So that one's kind of easy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're lucky enough yet in the health standpoint. I'll get to the other two when we come back. Okay. There's another luck part of this that might play into the Taven Bryan role and definitely one that plays into the James Robinson role. Okay. We do that. Uh, and we also talk a little bit about golf course design here in the next segment. We're supposed to do it yesterday. We're going to do it today instead. That's on the way on ESPN 690.